You familiar with the game Follow the Leader? So it, we got the kids in here today, and I'm going somewhere with this. Would you would you play along with me for just a minute? I'll be the leader. Just take the role. I have a microphone, so I'll be the leader today, okay? If you would, would you help me by following the leader? And listen, nobody's too cool to do this, okay, from the front to the back, all right? So if you would, I know it's okay. Nobody's recording this. You'll be fine. If you would, follow the leader. I'll be the leader. And so if you would, follow the leader, okay? And so here's what i like you to do. I'm going to raise your arm. That's my right, your left. And then you raise your other arm. And then I want us to pretend like we're on a roller coaster together. Okay? You ready? So we're going up the, the chink, 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 chink. We're at the top. Whoa! 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 All right, that's good. I just want to see you do that. We did have that recorded. Just kidding. Um, yeah. No, we're good. Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to be this morning. And there's a reason we did that. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 57. Thank you for humoring me with that. Because our, our deal today is this. Jesus calls his followers to follow him. And we make it more complicated than it should be. It's on the same level, same level or it's tantamount to following the leader. Jesus, the son of God, come. And this is Luke chapter 9, verse 57 says this. As they were going along the road, that's Jesus and his disciples, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. So we have a willing participant to follow Jesus. Now, if we were writing the scriptures and we were Jesus, we'd be like, sweet, I got another follower. I got a like on my post. This is great. Somebody wants to follow after me and my influence. But Jesus is God in the flesh and he does not operate like we operate. And so how does he answer this man who says, I will follow you wherever you go? He said to him, foxes have holes. And birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. That's puzzling, perplexing. And Jesus regularly does this. Whenever you ask him a question, he's basically telling you that's the wrong question or that is the wrong sentiment. I want you to know this. If you're going to follow me, I want you to know the cost of following me. The cost of following me is this. I don't have, like, I'm not like a fox. A fox has some place to live. It has a den. It's in the ground. Birds have nests. Those nests are where the birds abide they live in that but the son of man who he's talking about himself has nowhere to call home and you need to know that before because when you're saying you'll follow me you need to understand what that looks like because the cost the, the call to follow jesus and we want as a as a bible believing people we want to call all people everywhere to follow jesus and let's just get this on on, on understanding there is not like levels of being saved in the sense of like i've been i trust jesus i've been saved i'm just not following him did you hear that okay was that that wasn't in my ear right oh cool all right we're good i just i I want to make sure hey we're fine i just want to make sure i wasn't having to like go to the hospital moment okay matt you need to go right here in the hospital um we there's not two tiers of christianity we try to think that there is there are those people who are saved but they're not following jesus That's not a category the Bible gives us. To be in Christ is to be a follower of Jesus. Now, you may not not be following too closely. You might be following behind. The leader might be raising his arms up, and you're about five minutes late on that. You might not be following as closely as you ought. You might be in a state of, 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 of struggle. 
But that does not, a follower of Jesus is someone who follows after the teaching, the life, and the ways of Jesus the Christ, who is the crucified and risen Son of God. And he wants you to know that to follow me is what it means to be, to be a disciple, to be a follower, is what it means to be saved and what it means to have eternal life. And that it costs you something. Because this guy says, I'll follow you. And sometimes, have you ever said something and committed yourself to something without really thinking about it? Yeah, I'm there. I'll be there. And then you realize like, it's at 5 o'clock on Saturday morning for the next three months. And you're like, that's not what I wanted to do. But I have opened my full mouth and committed myself to this. And Jesus wants this guy to understand the commitment. I'll follow you wherever you go. Oh, yeah? Well, I don't have a house. I don't have a home like most people. I take priority over your life. And if you're going to follow me, you may not have that same, you may not have the luxury of having a house or a home either because to follow me means to give up who you are and come after me. And I want us to get this. There's a difference between free and cheap. Am I right? Is if something's free, first off, you're going to be like, what's the catch, right? If someone calls you and says, I'm going to give you a free something, what are you going to be doing? What's the catch, right? When it comes to free, what does it cost? Nothing. Most of the time when people give you something free, it's usually pretty cheap. Okay? Like, if somebody puts something out on the side of the road, have you ever seen this? It's an amazing phenomenon. You put something on the side of the road, and it leaves before the trash people come. People are like, I want that. Okay? It's the epitome of another man's trash, or one man's trash is another man's treasure. And so, usually when it's given away, it's a cheap possession. It's not of much worth. It is, it's it's not of great value. But see, here's the difference. Jesus offers salvation freely. And he, he invites us to come and follow him. In fact, he calls us and he commands us to come follow him. But this call, this is a call to come to him, trust in him and his work that's given to us freely through faith in Jesus Christ. His eternal life, his brand new, his, his redeeming, his regenerating, his life-giving work on the cross. That's free. But it's not cheap. Cheap means something that's easily discarded, something that doesn't that doesn't require much maintenance, something that is that is just not of great worth. But Jesus, in this call with this man, because I'll follow you wherever you go. I want you to know, man, who's following me, that you need to know what you're signing up for, which I take priority in your life, even over where you live. And secondly, you need to know what it costs to follow me. It's a free gift. But it's not a cheap gift. The grace of our God is free, but it is not cheap. It costs us our life. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. But once we receive it, it costs us our life. And we see this. It goes on in this series as they're walking down the road. And this is, this is classic Jesus and Luke. He's walking and talking. In verse 59, to another he said, follow me. So the first guy said, I'm going I'm, to follow you wherever you go. He's a very zealous person. And he says, I want you to think about it. Foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay, lay his head. If you're going to follow me, that may be your condition too. The second guy, Jesus approaches, and he makes the, the command or the call, come and follow me. And what does he say? Verse 59, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. A legitimate request, right? To bury his father. In fact, for in Jewish circles, it was a great a great disservice or a dishonor to your parents if you did not see to it that they were adequately buried when they died. 
So this is a big deal. But Jesus, Jesus responds to this man with this seemingly reasonable request in verse 60 in a way that really would make us, makes us scratch our heads. Verse 60, and Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Again, if we're Jesus and we're writing the story, you know what? Come follow me. And the guy gave us, that's a good excuse. I got to bury my dad. We'd be like, sure. I understand. Go do that. It's part of your responsibility. Make sure that happens. I'm sorry your, your father passed. And then you come follow me. But Jesus says no. And it's not because he's heartless. And it's not because he doesn't understand that one of, the, one of the Ten Commandments is to honor your father and mother. Jesus is saying to this man that if you would follow me, I must take precedence over every human relationship in your life. Which again, this is free grace. It's come follow me. Come know my life-giving work on the cross, my death, burial, and resurrection. It's free. Come to me by faith. You have eternal life. But this eternal life that you're calling me into, it, it requires that we follow you, Jesus. And it requires that you take precedence over every human relationship in our lives. And then we see this. This is reiterated again in verse 61. Yet another man said, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me first go say farewell to those in my home. This is a little bit less of a, of a, of a big deal than go bury my dad. But if you think about this, most of us can connect to anyone in the world very quickly. You realize that, right? But you can send a text from here to someone in Guatemala. I don't know why I picked Guatemala, but if you know someone in Guatemala, you could text them right now where you're sitting in Hartsville, Tennessee. We can be connected to any place in the world. The other day, I, a friend of mine was in, was, uh, was stationed. He's a military chaplain in Spain. You know, pray for him. He's, he's on, he's in Rota in Spain. He's like right near the Straits of Gibraltar in his, his house and the place he worked faces the beach. It's a tough life he was living as a Navy, uh, as a Navy chaplain at this point. So he, he and I needed to have a discussion. And so, you know what we were able to do? We were able to, he was in Spain. I was in Hartsville sitting in my office and we connected over Facebook messenger. They have a video part compartment to that app. And we were able to talk to each other while he's in Spain and I'm in Hartsville. That's pretty cool. We're connected to everyone in the world. Just moments away from connecting to someone. But in Jesus' day, they didn't have cell phones. When you left town, if you wanted to get some back, you have to send a messenger to someone to tell them you made it. If that's what you're going to do. It's not like you pick up the phone, but hey mom, I made it. Hey, 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 honey, I made it. No, this was, I'm gone. So here's the idea. This man is asking again, a legitimate, reasonable request. Jesus, I will follow you because they're walking on the road, right? So he meets this person on the road. He's obviously on his way to somewhere. And he says, Jesus, I'll follow you. But first, I'm going to go say goodbye to my family so they know where I, I went. Because here's what would happen. If he just left and followed Jesus, they'd be like, have you seen Mark? Like, where did he go? You can't be like, somebody text Mark, where is he? And be like, he just is gone. 
gives a new meaning to the term ghosted. Okay, he would just leave, and then they would find maybe find out some other time when he was on the route with on the circuit with Jesus. They might find out where he was. They would have no clue as to where he went. So he wanted to say goodbye. It seems legitimate and reasonable in the context. Am I right? But Jesus says in verse says in verse sixty one or sixty two, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, Jesus is saying to him, there's no turning back. There's no looking back. You're going to follow me. You're going to leave this. You're going to leave the most important relationships in your life and follow me. Jesus would also say this same thing. Unless you hate your mother and your father and your sisters and your brothers, you cannot be my disciple. Now, hate in this particular sense is not like we use the word hate. Hate now has all the animosity to it, but in the, in the, the sense of that word at the time, it means to prefer over. It's like when we when use it in the Old Testament, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. It doesn't mean that Esau was not loved. It just means that Jacob was preferred over Esau. And that's, the, that's a Hebrewism that is seen in Jesus' speaking to these men. He's saying, because Jesus is obviously not calling us to hate our parents and our brothers and sisters and our siblings, right? Because we're called to love our neighbor as ourselves. And last time I checked, our parents and our, and our siblings are our neighbors. The second thing you want to know why this, that we have to understand this in the context of this Hebrewism is the fact that Jesus, who is God, there's in the Ten Commandments, it says to honor your father and mother. Remember, Jesus never sinned, and so he was never out of... Out of step with God and his commandments. And so what we see here is that Jesus must take precedence over every human relationship. Dating, married, family. That's big time stakes. So to follow him and to have eternal life means that you that Jesus takes precedence over your plans and over your priorities. Because he would say here in verse 62, no one who puts his hand to the plow and look looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now that, let me ask you, is that a little strange? I think so. No one who puts their hand to the plow. What is he talking about? In the first century... They were largely agrarian in their economy, which means they did a lot of agriculture. They would, they would see farmers and people who raised stock, livestock all over. That was the predominant trade of most people in the world, especially in Palestine at this time or in, in Israel at this time. So when they were there, they would regularly see a guy plowing his field. Now, today, plowing a field is much easier than it used to be. Now, I want you to know, you're looking at me like, bro, you have never plowed a field, and you are totally right. I have never plowed a field, nor do I want to plow a field. I really don't want to do that. If you do that, God bless you, but most likely, if you plowed your garden, you used a, a, like a machine to do it, a tiller, right? And on in big-sized farms, what do they use? Tractors. I was hoping that's true. I heard you say tractors. Yeah, I think it is tractors. And they and some of them have this industrial size when they do it, and they plow it in different lines. But in Jesus's time, and when he is speaking this, to plow meant you hook up a some type of contraption that would dig into the dirt, 
That's the only word I could think of was contraption. You're welcome. An ox or some type of beast of burden would pull the plow implement and you'd kind of control it and the beast would do the work. And that is how you would plow the rocky desert soil in this area. That is how farming would occur. So Jesus is using this. This guy says, I want to go, let me go say goodbye to my family. And Jesus says this, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. As you well know, the reason that we came up with tractors is because it's much easier to plow a straight line when you're in air conditioner, somebody's doing the work for you, and you can listen to John Denver's greatest hits. Thank God I'm a country boy. You mean just going? John Deere. John Deere is doing the work. But in Jesus' time, this beast would go, and you had to hold the plow. The farmer did, and keep it straight. If you were to turn your head, you ever see somebody driving with a cell phone? You should not do that. Okay. Have you ever seen it? Oh, before you know it, the person's in the lane like, <laughs> oh, and they're, they're veering over. You imagine if you have a beast of burden trapped to a, like this, this plowing implement and you turn your head. What is your feel going to look like? It's going to go all over the place. The plow could break. It could hurt the animal. Any number of things. And so Jesus is saying, if you follow me, it's like this. You put your hand in the plow. You don't look back because it is de- it's death to look back. To look forward and to follow me is the only way. And if you dare to follow me and then look back, you are not fit for the kingdom of God. And I want, you to, I want you to know this. This is hard teaching. But it's true. It came from the mouth of Jesus. It's in every one of the Gospels. It's well attested to be the word of God. That Jesus the Christ spoke this to us. It says, if you want to follow me. And the call is for everyone here to turn from their sins and follow Jesus. To trust in his finished work on the cross. His death for sin his burial his resurrection which proved that he paid for sin and his ascension to heaven and his coming again that is the gospel good news and we receive that good news not by good works and we're not saved by good works but by faith in jesus christ but that faith that we are saved by that grace that comes to us it is free but it is not cheap and it requires our life and so to follow jesus means that he takes priority over over everything in your life where you're gonna go your mode Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to raise his head. You give your plans to Jesus. Jesus would say this, follow me. And he says, first, let me bury my father. No, let the dead bury the dead. You follow me. I take precedence over your dearest family relationships. Lord, let me first, I'll follow you, Lord. But first, let me go say goodbye to my family. No, and no one who puts their hand to the plow to follow me in my ways is fit for the kingdom of God if they turn back. So here is what Jesus is calling us to. We're called to saving faith. Saving faith looks to Jesus and follows Jesus. And there is no turning back. Now, these very people who would hear this are the disciples, besides these people they encounter. One of the disciples was a guy by the name of Peter. 
you're familiar with the scripture at all, Peter is a very important person in the scriptures. He's definitely an important person. After Jesus is ascended, he preaches the first sermon under the power of the Holy Spirit uh, on the day of Pentecost, and thousands of people are saved. But you know what happens to Peter? He's heard this, that no one who puts his hand to the plow and t- looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. He has heard this before, and you know what he does before he preaches the sermon? He, t- he totally and royally screws up. Jesus tells him, right before Jesus goes to the cross, one of you is going to betray me. And then, or one of you is going to betray me. And Peter said, I'll never do it. And he says, before, before the, the crow or before the, 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 the rooster crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. You know what happens? Jesus, he denies Jesus three times. So, let me ask you the question. Did he look back? The answer, to, the answer I'll give you is obviously no. He sinned, yes. He failed, yes. But what happens? Jesus restores him, and he continues walking in faith. And so I want to give you this good news. To say that you are following Jesus does not mean you will not fall behind. It does not mean you won't fail and fall. But it will. It's, it, we got a message. It will mean, it will mean that we continue to get back up and follow him. And the trajectory of our life now is him, to follow him and there's no turning back. He is the one who I stake all of my life upon. He is the one who I live for. He is the one who I go after. He is the one that I seek that is Jesus. That is who I'm going after. There's no turning back. No turning back. And um, I, I need to do something as we get ready. I want to I invite Tom to come forward. And, um, and by, by way of keeping the service going, um, I'm going to invite our our offering team to come forward to and pass out the offering plate. And in, in light of what we're talking, as you guys are passing out the offering plate, um, Tom and I, uh, want to discuss with you what we feel like, um, is part of our journey in faith, us deciding to follow Jesus and no turning back. As many of you know, um, we have been meeting in this building since, uh, I guess Easter of 2010 We've been in this building. This building has looked a lot of different ways. Um, And this building has been through a lot. We're thankful that God has provided it for us. But in these last few years, it's become apparent that a move is necessary due to the condition of the building, plus preparing us to grow and follow Jesus in the future so that we can reach more people. Um, And... As you well know, and many of you know, if you're not, if you don't know, this is this is news to you. We are transitioning to a new facility just down the road here. We are working feverishly upon that as much as we can. Um, however, um, there have been many delays and setbacks, and we're working on it. We're going to get there by God's grace, but it may. We don't know when, but we're going to get there. Okay, we are making progress. But it's become apparent and evident to us that um, as we began to talk, that we are still pumping money into this facility that we are going to need to put into the new facility. That being said, 
it's time for us to burn the ships, if you will. And no, we're not committing arson. I just... <laughs> There's a story about the 15th century, or the, in 1519, about a conquistador um, named Cortez who is going to go to the, uh, the Aztec capital. And they leave Cuba, and they land in Mexico. And he, to motivate his soldiers to not give up on the trek, um, he burns all of their ships, as the story goes. And he says, there's only one way, fellas, and that's forward. Now, I'm not calling us to be a conquistador. That was evil and wicked, okay? That's not, not that behavior, but I am calling us to emulate this. We have to burn the ship. And we're not going to burn this building. This is metaphorical, okay? We are going to, this will be our last Sunday in this facility. Um, we, at 1 o'clock today, are beginning the move-out process here. So if you can help, go grab some lunch, come back. And uh, we're going to be 1 o'clock. We're going to, um, Mitch and Old Time Express has provided some, a way for us to, uh, a trailer for us to be able to move all of our stuff into. And we're going to be moving out of this facility. We'll have it until um, until the first part of September. But we're going to go ahead and transition and move um, to meeting at Pigpen Restaurant in our transitional time. Those folks over there have graciously opened the door wide to say, come on in. And I know what you're saying church in a barbecue restaurant we've already done it once number one secondly those people are being fantastic to us and they they were they helped start this trent amber helped start this church and if you know um amber who's one of the co-owners over there her brother is eric reed who's the pastor of the church in lebanon so they have a vested interest and a love for us so i do want to encourage you to go eat at pig pen okay this will be my this will be my commercial for them i'm not saying anything bad at other restaurants we're okay with endorsing them right eat at pig pen because we're going to meet there but from from now on from the sunday until we move in that building at least for the foreseeable futures, we have confirmed that at least in September, and if we have to, October, we can meet in Pigpen Restaurant. So we're going to meet at the same time, 10 o'clock, but it's going to be a Pigpen Restaurant. And we've been holding on to, and Tom and I in our discussion, we've been holding on to this building as a safety net. And you know, steps of faith don't usually, we don't usually get to hang on to our safety nets when we take steps of faith, Right? So if Jesus told us as disciples that once we put our hand to the plow, there's no looking back, I think it's a safe application of that to say once we as a church have put our hand to the plow of saying this is what we believe God's will is, that we can't look back. This is the, this is the building and where I first met this, all you folks. And I got to preached the first time to you was in this building this is the this is very special to me honestly my son only knows this building i mean he knew he was too little to know any other church but this one um so there's some bittersweet bittersweetness to this but to go forward you have to burn the ships just like we have to abandon ourselves and our self-will when we come to Christ, we have to abandon, be in abandon to come after Jesus in this way. And so, I know this is abrupt. I know this is quick. But I believe the Lord's in this. I think, Tom, you would agree. Yeah, I think uh, we've had just a bunch of stuff thrown at us this last month that have kind of mixed the, stirred the pot a little bit yeah. to get us to this point where 
we're just like, oh, no, September 1 is Labor Day weekend, <coughs> and that's the next Sunday. So that kind of forced our hand with a few of the uh, things we've been facing in the other building. But a um, couple things I would say is that um, I had a hard time leaving our previous home before I moved because uh, it was just just what we wanted, perfect setting, all that stuff, and we had to move on to get closer to work and and that with my wife had told me, you know, our life is not our home. Our life is the people and that. And so the, the same thing applies here with church is I've been here, like I said, this is, we're going on 10 years. Uh, I missed the first six months. Um, I think Clint and Joey, I think you two are, are the uh, lone survivors that have been here <laughs> for the entire run. Oh, and the Christiansons and that, so... Leslie. And that, so we've had just a select few that have been here for the whole run, but I just encourage you guys as well that uh, the church was never the building and is never the building. So when we say we're going to church, we're going to meet with the folks, you know, that uh, are the body of Christ. So, um, again, so it, it's bittersweet for me as well. You know, I just walk through the youth room and just remembering our first Sunday coming in and a really awkward, you know, forced small group thing, and, and we're just like, God, really? Are, are we supposed to be here? And and that, and so, you know, again, it's just a lot of memories and, and that stuff, but we're excited. Again, we've seen a lot of setbacks and a lot of stresses and, and different things, but every time we've seen God come in and provide, um, and this was a labor Matt and I had for about a year going in just to make the decision to head in this direction, and as we've gone, we've continued to see the Lord provide something along the way that just gives us that encouragement of like, okay, we're not stupid. We didn't have a bad burrito, <laughs> and we're just leaning like, oh, this sounds like a good idea. Uh, and that, so this has been, again, consistently reassured by the Lord, and then we just got to a point, same thing, like uh, we just said, hey, we can continue to dump in two month, you know, double rent payments, but it's just time to cut it. You know, it's just time to go and you know, force our hand, move the direction we didn't move. So, um, yeah, we're resolute. It's a lot of prayer, a lot of encouragement, a lot of um, support from the Lord, just giving us the assurance of that. Because, um, again, I'm the cautious one, and I'm the one least likely to want to strike the match. But, you know, it's time to go. We uh, want to end our service in a different way than we have before. Invite the worship team to come forward. Um, we're going to sing uh, an old old hymn together. Um, called I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Now, I used to dislike this hymn, and I'll tell you there's a lot of reasons why, because I think I used, I used to think it highlighted the human agency in salvation, which I believe God is the, the, is, is the mover, the prime mover in salvation. But what this song, I've come to grow up and realize this song is us saying, Lord, I know you called us and chose us and, and saved us, but we also decide to follow you. So if you will, we're going to stand... And we're going to sing this song together. If you don't know it, you can hum it. Or just, uh, this is our sentiment. This is our sentiment and what we want um, to leave with. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided.
verses. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. No turning. No turning back. No turning back. Let's pray. God, you are good to us. You have come while we were yet sinners. You died for us while we were lost in our sin and could do nothing. You came and you saved us. And so love so amazing, so divine, demands our soul, our life, our all. So, Lord, we sing these, this song that says we will follow Jesus. Unless you sustain us, we can't. So sustain us, Lord. But we are resolved today to follow you. There may be much to give up, but you are worth it. We pray that as we enter into this interim time that you would bless this body of believers, knowing that the church is not a place, but it's a people called out by God. Would you, God, bless us supernaturally? Would you sustain us like you did the people of Israel when they were in the wilderness? God, would you provide a a way for us to get our building done? And until that time, may we be faithful. We pray all this in the name above every name. Jesus. Amen.